Welcome back to the second part and conclusion of accounting and bookkeeping best practices for real estate investors. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Welcome back. You made it. You came back. You came directly back from, you know, we didn't uh, put you to sleep with the last uh, conversation with uh, bookkeeping and taxes and uh, accounting and all those kind of wonderful things. So we didn't put you to sleep. So you you, you came back. Welcome. You know, there, I find there's, there's, um, there's, there's three kinds of people uh, when it comes to bookkeeping, accounting, and primarily three kinds of people when it comes to math in general. Those who can do it and those who can't. Oh, hang on. Wait for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, had to, I had to put my dad joke in there as well. So I, I hope I don't have to explain that joke, but that was a joke. So, And if you didn't understand and get the joke, you might want to rewind and go back over it again. All right, gang. So um, bookkeeping. Bookkeeping, accounting. It's one of those things um, that a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to do. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm recording here and I got a camera on and there's a, a little video camera with a little flip out screen on the side. And I'm looking at myself in it as I, as I was saying, this is, it's one of those things that I just don't want to do. It's, it's one of those things that administration and it shuts me down, but here's the thing. It's one of the most important things you can do. It's a, a, a absolute fundamental and how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you do the fundamentals really well and you take care of the, you know, the, the money and the accounting in and out very well, you will have more money to account for down the road. So make sure that you don't gloss over and make sure you don't, um, you know, take this lightly. This is one of those important things. It's what, if not, it's, it would be probably in the top three, in my personal opinion of the most important thing within a real estate business is the operations is the accounting is the, um, um, bookkeeping, the organization of all this. Now it's all wonderful fun and games and everybody can have wonderful ideas and analyzing properties and negotiating and making wonderful presentations. But if you don't have the good operations to back it up, um, you will not be in business very long. And, uh, you know, I'm arguably speaking, truth be told, that's probably one of my weakest links of my chain within my business. And it's something that I have to clean up. And um, that's one of the reasons why I'm going back and revisiting a lot of these conversations. I do need to 100% clean up the operations. I do need to 100% clean up the reporting. I need to 100% clean up the bookkeeping and practices as well, just to dial it in, just to really tighten it down. Now, for those of you, if you're coming back, you know, here's an analogy I would use. And if 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 you're having a hard time just kind of getting over that hump of wanting to lean into this, do Take it from this perspective for a second. Visualize that um, you have a potential money partner and this money partner wants to write a million dollar check with you. Woohoo, right? That's like some, some, some exciting times is somebody who wants to invest into you, invest into your business and wants to invest some serious capital into a project. You have the greatest projects around it fits everything. You are 100% in alignment with your spiritual beliefs, with your family beliefs, with your goals, what you read. You're just like singing kumbaya, arm in arm. Everything's amazing. Now, just imagine if that um, investor came to your office, and I'm using office, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here as well. So imagine they came to your office and they saw the state of your, your filing system. They saw the state of your business operation. They saw the state of where you are um, within your record keeping. They saw the state of of, of your organization within your business, as, uh, um, within all your business ventures. Would they be confident to write even a bigger check? Or would they be just in there, yeah, well, maybe this isn't for me. And they'd be running for the hills. Okay. So that's the visualization I want you to have is if an investment partner was coming in and after they saw your operation and after they saw your bookkeeping, after they saw your accounting practices, would they potentially be confident to write a bigger check or would they be running for the hills? Okay, so that's the visualization that I want to share with you. Now, one of the things I wanted to share with you here as well before we get into the final chapter and the final part of this presentation and final with the interview with Cherry Chan is um here, here's... um. 
some context for you. I view accounting and bookkeeping as three functions. Now, ideally, I wish that those three functions were all taken care of by one person or maybe even one team. And I think Cherry has done an amazing job of being able to be vertically integrated to be able to take care of all these things for people. Um, but here's the, here's the three functions that I want you to look at for your business as a real estate investor. Function number one was what I would call the organization and the data entry. And, you know, primarily just... Um, the front wave of the documents coming in, the front wave of the scanning of all the statements, the front wave of all the cash ins and outs, all the bank accounts, all that organization of all that paper, all that scanning, putting it into files, putting it into folders, organizing it. So that's step one is the organization. Then the step two after that and still that first function bucket is the data entry. You need to have that data entered from all those emails, all those um, online bank accounts, all those paper statements, all those year-end mortgage statements, all the uh, documents you get from the tenants, all the documents and, and payments you get from your property manager, however you set up your business. All that documentation, all that paperwork, all those ins and outs of everything needs to be entered into a system, into a typically a bookkeeping system. Um, I love QuickBooks Online. There's some wonderful other things out there, zero accounting, a lot of those things like that. Lots of different um, software packages to help you with the accounting. So that's step number one is the organization the digitization. We do digital here. Um, and then we also, the data entry. Now, one of the things for many of you, uh, an investment for you that you need to have as a real estate investor, this is an absolute critical success tool for, for real estate investing, is an amazing scanner, a good scanner. Um, now, I don't have mine here. It's upstairs in Crane's office, but I'm pretty sure I know the the model. I, it's the it's a Fujitsu ScanSnap I. 600 or I 700 or something like that, but it's definitely Fujitsu scan snap. And it's an amazing scanner. Like honest to goodness, you put that thing on there and you flip out the tray up top and bottom tray. And then you put all the documents in there that could be long ones and legal ones and short ones and different receipts. And it should, you know, that's the, the technical term for the, the, <laughs> the sound that it makes when it goes through, but you can scan through and you can rip through a bunch of scans very, very quickly. And then you put it onto a digital format and then you file it into our Dropbox of, of how we do it here. And then that Dropbox folder gets put into a folder that's shared with the bookkeeper and then the bookkeeper puts it into the QuickBooks Online. Now, QuickBooks Online is a fantastic tool to eventually be able to go fetch some of these documents. Like, honest to goodness, you sit there and go, okay, my RBC statement is where I have all my, this rental property here. Click a button, go fetch it. It goes there and it will, you upload the statements or you upload the banking information. It goes out and it actually will populate all the transactions for you with a click of a button. Technology is amazing nowadays of being able to do a lot of those things. So that would be step one, function one, the organization, the date, the digitization and the data entry. Function number two is what I would call um, reporting and statements. This is where you would then get the information from the essentially QuickBooks Online is a database. Essentially, it's a that's what most accounting programs is just a big, a big, large database program. So you get information from those databases in order to, for you to be able to get statements and reporting. Okay, who do you report to? Whoever needs to get the reports, right? You report to potential partners. You report to money partners. You report to the CRA down the road. You need statements in, in a timely manner in order to make decisions for your business and what you're doing. Maybe you have a budget. Maybe you're wanting to figure out if you're over budget, under budget, where you need to spend more money, where you need to cut back. Okay. So that would be function number two is the reporting and statements. Then there's a third function in there as well. And the third function would, what I would be called, I, the best term I could use would be optimization. Are you optimized within your tax planning? Are you optimized within uh, your vision? You know, what ifs, the what if scenarios, what if I do this? What if I change this? What if I uh, restructure it this way? Are you optimized for um, your taxes, right? Now, at the end of the day, you will 100% have to pay taxes. That's a good thing in this country is, you know, if you pay lots of taxes, you may potentially made lots of money. 
Now, the key thing that you want is you don't want to way overpay. You want to be able to optimize the amount of taxes that you are uh, that you have to pay versus the amount of money that you make. And that's where an, a fantastic tax planner, the, the third function, will come in and will be worth their weight in gold is that, that they can give you that planning function. Okay, so those are the three functions within this is there's an organization, the digitization, and data entry. That's function one. Function number two is reporting and statements in order to make some good decisions from your business on a on short-term short-term basis. And then function number three is is um, tax planning for long-term um, optimization. Okay, so those are the three functions that you want to look at within your business. Now, ideally, like I said, it you'd like it that to be one person. Right. But but realistically, it's probably uh, a, a whole team or more importantly, it potentially could be two or three people. All right. You could have somebody that's responsible for the organization and data entry. You have somebody that then takes the takes that for statements to be able to provide you the statements. And then you have somebody that's a completely third party person for a consultation basis that will provide you the optimal tax planning and strategy. Okay, so that's what the just a little bit of context before you dive into today's um, final part of this presentation. And just remember a couple of the key topics that we talked about. We talked about how to organize your life, get all those papers out of your way, some simple and easy things to implement, some best practices, some best reporting strategies when reporting to both CRA and your JV partners, how to structure bank accounts, the differences between income statements and capital cost items. When do you use, when do you expend something? When do you capitalize it over the life of the asset? And this, this conversation can go a lot deeper and it could go a lot longer too. Honest to goodness, um, taxes and accounting and bookkeeping and operation is a significant business within the business. And as you start growing and scaling your business, you will find that you can only add as many properties to your portfolio as you have the capacity to handle the bookkeeping and the operation. If you have a small operation and you can't handle that, you sh will not be able to add more properties to your portfolio. Ask me how I know this, right? Think about it. Think about it this way. Think about it as a um, the operation of the business as the aquarium tank. Think about it as the tank, okay? And uh, inside the aquarium tank, you have all the water, and you have the little plants and the little the little uh, scuba diver snorkeler in there with the bubbles and blah 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 blah. The water coming out, you know. I think we're thinking about an aquarium here, right? Now, so can, do you, are you picturing picturing the aquarium? Now, obviously, within this aquarium, um, there's fish in there. Okay, there's there's little fish and big fish and guppies and and tiger fish and little sharks and little things that clean the sides of the, the tank. And there's all kind of things in there as well. The fish inside the tank will only get as big as the tank is. So remember. The operations, the bookkeeping, the accounting is the aquarium, is the tank. And if the tank is too small, you cannot add too many fish. If you add too many fish to a small tank, you will be limited and stunted the growth of those fish. So maybe what you just need to do is just get a bigger tank, right? Oh, we need a bigger boat. Yeah. Do you guys know that reference to that movie? Anyways, I digress here, guys. Um, let's jump right into the interview. This is the final part of this interview with Cherry Chan. Um, please leave some feedback. Please leave a review. Your reviews and your feedback is like rocket fuel to our to um, wanting to bring out more. There's an awful lot of time and effort that goes into putting these together. And the more feedback you give, the more, you know, both positive and negative. If there is something that we're not doing right, if there's something that's not being provided to you, I 100% want to hear about that. But, you know, and maybe I'm just being a, a sample size of one here. I think we're doing an amazing job. I think the team is doing an amazing job. I think the guests are just absolutely just knocking it out of the park with the expertise they're bringing. And I think that it's making a difference. I really believe that this is making a difference to inspire and encourage others to be able to build that bigger tank, to add more fish to the aquarium for you to be able to have that financial freedom that you've dreamed for yourself and your family and your financial futures for people that and children, family that you don't even know the the impact that you can add to your community. You haven't even begun to discover it yet. You really haven't. 
Okay, with all that being said, let's get right after it. Please help me welcome Jerry Chan. All right, so welcome back, everybody. We, we were just getting, you know, some people think that this is boring and dry. I actually don't. I actually really, I enjoy a lot of the inner workings of, of the of business because here's the thing. Remember, guys, when you're, you're the expert in the deal mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you have to know everything about accounting and tax, but you need to have an expert on your team, right? Yeah. And, and you're being relied upon by your money partner to provide the right answers to the people too. Yeah. Okay. But don't, don't ever cross the line of giving tax advice to your money partners. Absolutely. Right? So that's yeah. a mistake I think people make a lot. Yeah. Yesterday I was, um, I, I just had a consultation with a new client and he came in and he asked me a bunch of questions and he was about to ask a question on behalf of his partner who is outside of the country mm -hmm. and oh should he set up a corporation and I had to be honest with him I said like I, the, the best answer is not to play broken telephone don't know if you guys have played the game broken <laughs> telephone before um, because my his interpretation of what I said would be completely different and then he has to translate it to someone else mm -hmm. and that's just not fair yeah and and I often tell people I, I give this to people as well as let them get their own advice mm -hmm. because at the end of the day they have to own their decisions yep. I never want anybody to ever come back to me and say well you told me and you made me do this yeah. even though it's not true right yeah, but yeah. I want somebody to own their own decisions mm -hmm. with things and I yeah. just say here's the situation here's the deal you go talk to your tax planner yeah okay. absolutely all right so we've covered getting ourselves organized mm -hmm. we've covered uh reporting um did we fully cover um the whole thing about cra so we've talked about you get your you get your tax um you, you report to cra you give your partner at the end of the year how what do you give to what do most of your investor partners do do they just give an excel spreadsheet or they, they give the quickbooks file what what do you usually hand uh, over to money partners uh, typically it's an Excel workbook. Yeah, that that's seen. what I do yeah. too. Is I just give them, a, I give them a statement of actually every month and mm -hmm. everything is ins and outs. And then I give them a, a summary and then I also di divide out the percentage split too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So usually it is the Excel workbook. Um, for me, typically speaking, I don't get into the nitty gritty until mm -hmm. unless I see something that's unusual. Like if you spend like $50,000 on repairs mm -hmm. and the building is only $300,000, of course, I'm going to ask for details. Yeah. And that's when I start asking questions. Yeah. Typically with a buy and hold property, it's considered passive. Yep. more so and there's actually fewer things you can actually write off it's actually a simpler it's a simpler yep. bookkeeping yeah yeah, yeah. Un unfortunately <laughs> you can't write off of as many things as we yep. think we should mm -hmm. even though it is deemed necessary and ordinary to run the business yes what are some of the things that people you mentioned home office expense yep. mm -hmm. cell phone travel membership dues are those all gray area stuff yeah books 100%. education yeah. do you recommend to do it or not to do it uh so it depends of course <laughs> yeah like because you have to sleep at night too yeah. so the conversation that i always have with my client is that hey like what's your uh, risk tolerance yeah um, there are certain things that we know that um, it's up for interpretation from CLA. To me, my interpretation of membership, if you get um, mm -hmm. some real estate educational course and the next day you go out to buy properties, this course 100% is deductible. Because mm -hmm. of the fee that you pay, yeah. you actually take action. Yeah. And Where do you code that one typically? Under what line? Uh, it's in the other line. The other line, yes. <laughs> the other line. <laughs> the other line. <laughs> yes. Um, there, there, that's one. Uh, travel expense. I recently wrote mm -hmm. a blog post about yeah. travel expense because I went back to mm -hmm. Hong Kong and I yep. thought it would be interesting to talk about travel. Um, travel expense typically depends on what you do, like mm -hmm. your primary purpose. Yep. Um, there was a recent court case, again, uh, from Circus Soleil's owner. Yes. Uh, traveling to space. And he wrote off the whole thing, essentially, <laughs> except for four million. I think the whole thing is like 20 million or something. So he, he wrote <laughs> off a bunch of it. And I thought it was an interesting analogy to our um, audience here. Yeah. Um, you travel, the primary purpose of your traveling to space or to outside of the country, 
is it for vacation purpose or is it for um, is it for vacation purpose or is it for uh, business pur- mm-hmm. business purpose? So if it is primarily incurred for the purpose of traveling, like if you go to Disney World and you just booked it and and then there is no business a schedule around it. Yeah. Then it's kind of far-fetched to say, oh, I went out to see, to meet a couple of real estate mm-hmm. agents and look at a couple of properties. Yeah. That's just a bit far-fetched. Yeah. So end of day, all CRA, CRA really wants is just a separation of business versus personal. Yeah. And if you're, if you're writing off a dinner on Valentine's Day, I'm pretty sure that that's going to raise a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on December 31st, exactly. like, or January 1st. Like. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, however, you know, it it could. So here's here's one thing that I learned um, after going through an audit process, and, and I could go on and on. I could do an entire presentation just on audit, is, is um, diarize everything. Mm-hmm. Like, truly write everything down of what you're doing. Like, you know, I was at an event last night, and what I would do is if I had a membership fee that I was paying to the Durham Real Estate mm-hmm. Group, I would come back and I would write out diary of what I learned at it. Yeah. Right? And then that, then you now have something to, if, if they ever question your membership fee, is, oh, by the way, here's what I learned that night by going to it. Right? And then each month, here's all the things I learned to make me, an inve- you know, those kind of things. Yeah, so. documentation is the key. How do you, how, do you have um, any, I'm jumping around a little bit because I, I want to, I just want to learn for myself a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so is home office expense a red flag that typically gets flagged from CRA? In the past, it is. Mm-hmm. Until recently, a couple of years ago. Everybody has a home office now. And it's, <laughs> and it's legitimate, like yep. truly legitimate. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so home office is a huge issue as well mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't a special line on your T776 that we yep. mentioned before. Yep. So a lot of people don't know whether they are allowed or not allowed to deduct right. it. And even in the income tax, set, it, says, it says that you can deduct it to generate income, right. a business income or property income. But then the line is not there. What What's going on? Mm-hmm. So majority of the investor, uh, sorry, accountants out there would not deduct it. Yeah. The reality is that we still incur the expense mm-hmm. for the purpose of earning right. the income. Um, so recent in recent years, uh, a couple of years ago, CIA actually released an um, income tax folio, mm-hmm. so their opinion on how yeah. they interpret the tax act or their way to implement how yeah. to in, um, audit other people, right. so their opinion. So if you look at that folio, about home office expense, they actually call out earning property income. So they okay. now have expressed that they allow you to claim home office expense, even though it is not aligned on T776. Okay. Now, just some best practices. Now, I, I might be doing this all wrong, mm-hmm. but I want to hear your opinion mm-hmm. on this. Is So do I truly have to um, show the square footage of, say, let's say it's in my personal house. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, it's It's... Four three hundred square feet. One yep. of the rooms that has yep. a dedicated door, and it's yep. the only thing there. Would I need to take a picture of it, like just throw it in the file of what it's done or what it's used, and the square footage in the blueprint of the house? And so, can I write off eleven percent? Like, say it's eleven percent of the mm-hmm. house. Can I write off eleven percent of the expenses? So, everyone's different. Right. I'm going to throw out the. Yeah. The line. It depends. Okay. Good. Now, okay. Now, in your situation, let's say your 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 house is three thousand square feet yeah. and your home office is three hundred yeah, square so feet. Yeah, it's ten percent of the. Yeah, house. it's ten percent of the yeah. house. Um, I think ten percent is actually really reasonable amount. Yeah. So what it means is that you can deduct ten percent of your property taxes, your um property taxes, utilities, mm-hmm. um, internet and insurance, mortgage yeah. interest against yeah. your property income. Yeah. Now the challenge is that. Um, when you get audited, you mm-hmm. do need to keep everything. Yeah. So including all the utilities bill, even though you're only deducting 10% of it, you still need the actual bill. Yeah. Um, and you also would need to have a floor plan. Right. Yeah. So and they, some houses are old. That's when I got tripped up a little bit as I had yeah. to I actually had the we had the draw. Yeah. We drew our floor plan of our house and showed here's the office. And it's, yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So the more documentation that you have, yeah. the better it is. Yeah. Now, is it is it um, completely possible? And I'm just I'm just throwing out ideas. Is um, can I charge like I own the house and I also run a business out of that that there? Can I actually find out what 300 square feet of office space would actually cost if I had to rent it? And can I 
pay myself like a rent of that. Is that an, a way of doing it too, or? Um, so then depends. Right. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Now, um, you. If you own your properties in your personal name yeah. and you are charging home office expense, um, you can charge yourself the fair market value rent. Mm -hmm. But then that also means that you will have to have another T seven seven six schedule to report that rent. Rent, okay, on my personal income. On your personal okay. income, and then you deduct your ten percent that you ten percent of all the expenses that we just mentioned. Right. So it's kind of okay. left pocket, right pocket. Right. Now if You own all your rental portfolio in a corporation, yeah. and you're trying to pay rent to yourself. Yeah. Again, the same thing. You would have to report that as your income. Yes. And that's where the difference is. Okay. Now, do I have to? Let's say I go back to the first scenario where I'm writing off eleven, ten percent of the yep, house. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I have to report that. That I only am using ninety percent for personal when I sell the house. Well, I actually have to pay tax on a sale of. That's a great question,、yeah. which is the reason why I said it depends at the beginning.、Okay. Can you deduct the ten percent? So、um, at one point,、uh, I'm using myself as an example. It actually happens a lot of the time. At one point, we rent out our basement. It was a walkout basement. We rented it out for a thousand dollars a month.、Yep. It was great cash flow, so we are reporting the one thousand dollars a month as rental income.、Yep. We deducting we deducting one third of all the expenses because、mm -hmm. that's one floor、right. of our whole house.、Um, then we have our home office because I work from home as well. My、mm -hmm. husband works from home as well, and so each of us would have a room. Yep. So <laughs> you、I'm, have more office than house. <laughs> So now the non-business,、uh, sorry, the non-primary residents use、yeah. is suddenly at forty, fifty percent. Now, so to, in order to for you to com get completely exempted、yeah. from paying capital gain tax when you sell your primary residence, one of the、uh, criteria is that the primary residence has to be primarily used for as your residence.、Yeah. They never said that. They never come out to say, oh, it has to be over fifty percent. There's no. Specific percentage, but the general interpretation out there is that it obviously over fifty percent has to be used for your living,、right. for your for the purpose of your living.、Okay. Now anything above and beyond that, then obviously you will have to pay tax on it. Okay.、Um, any other? Everybody wants to always know the red flags that CRA will look first towards. So home office is. Changing more, it used to be more of a red flag yeah, than it is、yeah. now. Is there other red flags that CRA look at more? Like, is just as a that triggers it? Okay, automatically here's a here's an audit, right? Is there, is there more of those that you've seen more than others?、Um, absolutely,、yeah. you can go onto CRA's website and、yeah. they actually tells you what they are looking at right、oh, now. Okh.、Okay. So what's their flavor now? <laughs>、uh, they are always go. They're smart people. There are smart people up there doing all these audit initiatives.、Uh, the biggest thing would be、um, uh, the low-hanging fruit, pre-construction homes.、Mm. Um, they are going after the HST rebate every single day. They recover millions and millions of dollars by sending out just letters.、Um, that's number one. The second thing that they are looking at, which is also audit initiative, again is related to pre-construction, not、mm -hmm. the HST, is people who buy pre-construction home and sell it. Without、um, Actually, within a year, yeah,、okay. within a year, one year, so they are only going after people that sell it within one year, yeah, and they are calling it a flip,、mm -hmm. and a flip tax implication on a flip is completely different from tax implication on a long term buy and hold. When you are flipping a property,、um, the profit that you make is considered income, meaning hundred percent of it would be taxable. So if you buy a property for four hundred thousand and sell it immediately for Four hundred thousand dollars. The difference that that one hundred thousand dollars is considered at、uh, income in、right. your personal tax return and is being taxed at your marginal tax rate. Yeah. So it, it's the old thing versus income versus a capital gain.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and obviously the answer is it depends. It depends <laughs>、yes. on your intent. Yes. Right. And, and, and also and the facts. Of, yeah. Yeah. And the facts of the case. Okay.、Mm -hmm. So. So and and obviously we always as real estate investors everything is always a capital gain、yep. expense because you're only paying tax on half. Yeah,、right? absolutely.、Um, which actually then leads into so before I, I have a note here and I'm going to come back to it, but I want to talk to.、Um,
Hey everybody, I'm sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause to today's show and share with you a key real estate team member to help you grow your real estate portfolio. When it comes to funding your income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to your financing. In order to grow, you will need access to capital. And if you're feeling like you've hit the wall with mortgage qualification, I'd encourage you to speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They've helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also brand new investors get into the game of real estate investing. Book a time with them to have a custom created financing roadmap. On top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the best 18 Ontario markets to invest your money. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, please email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll be a link in the show notes below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Now back to the show. Mileage. Is that mm-hmm. is that one that's a little bit of a... Uh, what's some good best practices for people to, to track mileages, mileage? And it's more, is it more of um, an expense if you were doing an active business versus a passive business? Is that a little bit more? You can definitely claim mileage mm-hmm. for your rental por- uh, property. Right. The rules to claim mileage is a little bit different if you own the properties in your personal name versus if you were to own them in a corporation. So when you own it in your personal name, the rule is that if you own only one property, the property has to be not your home. You obviously cannot claim mileage mm-hmm. if you rent out your basement. Right. Now, so the key here is that you can own this property and that this property has to be located within the general area that you are living in. And the property also has to, um, you also do property management for the for the property. Right. You cannot expense the mileage that you incur for the purpose of earning the, mm-hmm. sorry, collecting the rent. Right. Okay. Yeah, I had, um, it was it was a great, well, not great area, it was one of the areas that I had to really defend very hard mm-hmm. is I, I owned a, a portfolio of properties in another city mm-hmm. and I have a property manager mm-hmm. in order to do because it it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had to really defend hard of, they asked the question, well, why do you go to, why do you have to travel that city? Yeah. I go, well, it's, it's $20 million worth of real estate that I yeah, have to go yeah. see. And they go, well, did, you're, what are you paying a manager for? You shouldn't have to, so it was wow, a- Wow, they went down that route oh, to yeah, challenge it, you? Well, they went down that, they even went down a route of, of um, analyzing condo fees to have to get me to separate the active part of the condo fee versus the amount that would go to like the capital improvements of the condo and separate all that stuff out oh too. Oh my God. So I, I, had a, I had a really good auditor <laughs> from there. <laughs> a very from, smart yeah. one. Well, and here's the thing is I actually saw this presentation. I was shocked to find out. So it was a former CRA auditor mm-hmm. and he was telling me that a lot of their audits are outsourced mm-hmm. and uh, to, to other companies. And actually these other companies are compensated based on commissions of money that they generate. And if they don't reach a certain threshold of money they claim, their contract doesn't get renewed. Oh my God. So they're actually compensated to get more money from people they, and, yes. and they'd be out of business if they actually don't get more money out of people. I've never heard of it, but yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like they're commissioned salespeople is really what it is. So anyways, we could go on and on and on. Um, I do want to do, I got a couple things. Um, Income versus capital gains. Mm -hmm. Now it's it's a 100% of a depends conversation. And this is a a, a very broad conversation, but maybe just let's first describe what a definition of income versus capital gain would Mm -hmm. be. And then maybe we could just do a couple examples of what would fit into each bucket. Okay, sounds yeah. good. So um, income versus capital gain. So let's talk about tax impact, which yes. we kind of ta- touch upon mm-hmm. a little earlier when we talk about repairs versus uh, yep. capitalized item. Um, income is 100% taxable. So when you earn $100,000, uh, employment income would be income, an example of income. You get taxed on the $100,000. Uh, if you um, make capital gain, what capital gain means is that it's in Canada's tax law, capital gain is only 50% taxable. So if you make 100,000, you only need to add $50,000 as your income. Right. And then you get taxed accordingly. So essentially you're paying half of the tax, right. making the same amount of profit. Okay. Um, 
does it depend on the type of transaction which it fits into? Yep. And oh. what would be a, the, the kind of a determining criteria to which would fall under what? Because I know, again, all real estate investors want everything to fall into capital gains, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's not the case. So. Um, CLE doesn't really, I should say, Income Tax Act doesn't really have a set of criteria. It mm -hmm. comes from case law. And the case law basically come down to do you, what's your intention with the property. Right. Now, intention of the property means that what are you planning to do? If you plan to flip a property, you will buy this old house and you put in money to renovate. Um, you also have your real estate license or your um, real estate expert out there mm -hmm. um, that they can search you, they can Google you. Um, then they know that your intent is to flip the property. Yeah. Flipping the property is considered business income and it's being taxed accordingly. Right. Um, rent to own. Is that uh, similar? Gray area a little bit? Because um, it's in an essence, you're doing a rent to own typically to sell. It's a selling strategy mm -hmm, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. So rent to own can be compared to um, flipping mm -hmm. because you at the beginning, you've signed a contract already, yeah. especially for those people who actively search rent to own deals and put together rent to own deals and have joint venture partner that are money partner. Mm -hmm. It's easy to sell. And for those people, I always recommend them to set up a corporation. Right. So then the income, it is considered income in that case, and you will then treat it as 100% um, income. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's one of the things that, and, and we could, honestly, we can have another interview just on corporation yeah. or not corporation, yeah. but just by and large as a really general thumb as well, mm -hmm. is if, if you're doing more active things, mm -hmm. rent-to-owns, flips, for uh, keep those properties in, in a corporate structure. Yeah. And if you're doing more buy and holds, um, by and large, keep those in a in a personal. Sometimes depend everything depends, depends right? Yeah. But from a tax perspective, it it's been it's it's fairly beneficial that way. Depends. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have both, yeah. If you're Russell, you have, yeah, both, have both. Then what? I would do is really to put everything in a corporate structure. Right, okay. Now, then the long-term buy and hold would be in one corporation. Yeah. Um, your active business income. Uh, so when I say active yeah. business income, I would say flips, rent to own. Yeah. They would be in another corporation. Okay. Because the reason why I put long-term buy and hold in yeah. the um, corporation structure is yeah. because your active business own. Is only taxed at thirteen and a half percent in Ontario. Thirteen and a half percent tax yep. rate. So that means you have eighty-six and a half percent left over. Mm -hmm. If you keep your long-term buy and hold in the corporate structure, yep. you can take the whole eighty-six and a half percent to invest faster and grow your portfolio faster. Okay. Essentially, you're using CLA's money to right. buy more investment property. Okay, but let's just say, as an example, if I was just to go, if I want to just get three or four buy and hold rental properties. Mm -hmm. That might be makes more sense just to hold it all personally. It's depends. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends on 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 you know if I have another business. It depends yeah. on my income. If I have a job, it depends a lot of those things and like, how you yeah. write it off. It just yes. so ideally. Do you spend a lot of time having that conversation with people? Every the, the, day. The pens conversation of well, how should I structure this? <laughs> well, like a couple of days ago, I had this client who came in yeah. and he has a pretty good job and yeah. he has $700,000 cash ready to invest yeah. and his house is fully paid off. Okay. Um, but he's going to buy this triplex. Okay. What would you do? So from a tax perspective, to be honest, putting it in a corporation, there's no no tax benefit at this point. There's something right. called tax integration in Canada. Yeah. What it means is that the CIA is trying to de um, stop you from making your ownership structure decision purely based on the tax perspective. Don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from a tax perspective, it doesn't make any sense for him to set up a corporation. But from a legal protection perspective, yeah. you have like $2 million, $3 million asset. Yeah. They're all cash, essentially. Would you want to protect it? That's yeah. something that you, like a conversation that I have with my clients. What's more important to you? Yeah. Yeah, the best advice, and I, and I don't want to get into a whole yeah. corporate versus personal at this time because I think I'm going. We're going to be doing that. Uh, I will. Mm. I will commit to doing that. But I usually tell people, here's here's the thing you do: is go talk to a mortgage broker, go talk to a lawyer, and go talk to an accountant, and get each of those three opinions because Great each of them advice, yeah. each of them has a different point of view. Take them all together, and if you don't have a specific reason why to. 
don't incorporate. Yep. Like there needs to be a, a specific reason why that it's just so evident and so clear. Okay, well, it makes sense that mm -hmm. I must do it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's the best yeah. advice I can give on a rough scenario. Okay. All right, so disposing of assets. Now, selling the place and, you know, it's hope there's some money to be distributed mm -hmm. to each other. Yep. There's, there's some profits. So yep. we own the property together. Um, we sell it. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that I always found uh, interesting as realtor commissions and things yep. like that. And how when you bought it and, and legal fees and all that kind of stuff, they're not just expenses. They're actually part of the capital cost of the, yes. the property too. Yes. So when you purchase the property, yeah. you pay. You may say, oh, I pay $500,000 yeah. for it. But there is $500,000 and there is uh, something called... Um, there's something called uh, land transfer tax. There's yeah. something called legal costs. Mm -hmm. And um, those are capitalized items. So you okay. add it to the cost of the building. Uh, in terms of when you sell, mm -hmm. you obviously would pay, depending on this transaction, if it's yeah. rent you own, you don't need to pay um, your realtor commission. But if you need to pay a realtor, then there would be realtor commission that could be deducted off against yeah. your $600,000 proceeds. Um, and you also have to be careful because the deduction on your legal documentation could be very different yeah. because a portion of the money is already kept by the, your realtor brokerage. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, the expenses. And then there would be expenses like legal costs, um, mortgage mm -hmm. discharge fees yeah. would be one common miss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's one of the things that actually, I, it, it gets a little confusing, especially when you're t t talking to another person, uh, mm -hmm. a money partner is, is as follows is, how we distribute the cash is different than actually how the profit and loss numbers look, yes, right? Yes. Because, you know, we could be sitting here and we we sell it. There's, um, after it's all said and done, it's a $95,000 gain on sale. You take 45, I take 45. Yeah. But then on the actual distribution of cash, we get say $300,000 in, you get your $100,000 back, but then we each get yeah. Another, we get the then we split the cash. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they're different numbers, and yeah. you have to just understand that there's the tax yes. reporting and there's the um, cash reporting. Yeah. Right? So the biggest difference is usually your mortgage, mortgage pay down. Yes. Uh, remember earlier we Which mentioned. Which isn't taxed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That you're taxed every year on your mortgage pay down. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you sell, you don't have to account for the mortgage pay down anymore right and that's where the difference comes in yeah and that's been one of the ones and you just learned so many lessons being in business and, and one of the biggest lessons i learned guys and you probably know this is um you sit there and you go okay well i, I cash flowed and you know my cash flow was you know a thousand dollars for the year just mm -hmm. round number and then you sit there and you go oh but my profit was four thousand and i got to pay tax on the four thousand but you don't, and a lot of people don't account for the tax bill at the end of each year too. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. So you need to set that aside, right? Yeah, so one of the good thing is that you can use something called capital cost allowance to yes. defer it, but it is just a deferral that's it's just allowed delaying, by it's, yeah. de it's delaying the pain. It's essentially <laughs> similar to RSP, the way I put it. Yeah. Uh, it's it, You don't get tax until, you don't have to pay tax on the rental income until the year that you sell the property. Mm -hmm. And then the year that you sell, you will be hit with a big... Okay. Yeah. So on the selling of properties, is there anything that we have to be really mindful of in the tax, you know, sending the, the tax information to CRA and reporting it? Is there anything that we really need to be really mindful about it? If you're reporting in your personal name, especially, yeah. um, one thing that you really need to be mindful with is consecutive number of years of losses. Mm, okay. So um, that is a red flag. Yeah. yeah, CRA doesn't like, they don't like you taking their money. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like if you are reporting $20,000, $30,000 from a rental property, they mm. would be wondering why you're doing it. Right. It, it's normal to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing is about your the way that you're reporting it. Um, like certain people would come to me, many real estate investors or even builders would come to me and say, hey, um, I thought it's 50% taxable. Mm -hmm. But when I bring them to reality, they are doing business and yeah. it is 100% taxable. That's something that they have never accounted for. Right. So suffice it to say, it's, it's, it's really... It's very fluid, yeah. right? This whole this whole game, things change, things you learn new things, you 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 do business a little bit mm. different. It's just you know one structure 
one structure does not fit all, right? And and it's a very it's a very fluid um, communication process with your professionals. Oh yeah, absolutely. I always advise my clients to call mm -hmm. anytime when you before planning is done beforehand. It's not done afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I was <laughs> a famous story. I, was, I remember when I was negotiating on a on a, a lease at a car dealership, mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm sitting there. I'm talking to the person, the lease manager, and I said, "Well, you know what? I have to talk to. I need to talk to my accountant and my mortgage broker." And the person looking goes, well, you're not getting a mortgage for this, you know. No, I said, I just need to talk to him because I need to find out if it's beneficial if I buy it uh -huh. or lease it, if there's a beneficial yeah. way of doing that. And for my mortgage broker is if I get that payment, will it impact my ability to qualify for yeah, more exactly. mortgages? Yeah, <laughs> um, So, Cherry, I know we could sit here and we could talk for a long, long time, but um, what would be some just final your best advice, if you're sitting here going, what, here's the best advice I can give you guys as real estate investors, um, just to, if you're feeling a little bit stuck and maybe even just a little overwhelmed with, with all this uh, bookkeeping and accounting, and, and maybe you just sit there and go, well, it just goes way over my head. Right. What would be some of your best advice you'd offer to people? Um, my best advice is talk to an accountant before you commit to a deal. Uh, for structuring, that's number one. Yeah. Structuring and planning, understanding the tax impact because yeah. CIA always has their hands, uh, have their hands in your pocket. Always have their hand out. Yes. <laughs> now, um, that's number one. Uh, tax planning is always done ahead of time, not at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, there's very little we can do at the end. Right. Um, now, second part of it is that you need to have system. Mm -hmm. Very important to have system, especially with joint venture deals, um, especially if your goal is to grow your joint venture portfolio. Right. Get the system down and yes, you will have to spend some time at the beginning, but mm -hmm. it will pay off big time in the future. Yeah, and, and you know, I use the analogy a lot is um, if somebody hands you a recipe to bake a chocolate cake yeah. and they tell you all the right things to put in place and things like that, and the recipe calls for 400 degrees for 40 minutes, yeah. You know, you can't turn it up to 600 and expect it to have quicker. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sometimes things take the time they take. Yeah. Right. And and you know, I'm going to add one one to that too because I think you're being too humble <laughs> of this is have an amazing professional on your side. Thank Somebody you. Somebody that can help you out can 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 navigate the murky waters because it is really murky. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you probably even feel that it's murky and you and you live it every day. Yeah. Right. Just imagine if you're only thinking about this <laughs> every every couple of weeks or a month. Month, right? Especially with joint venture as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes one more level of attention. And when it comes down to, you know, I know Cherry wouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this hire a professional. Just end of story. It's just, it's a non negotiable that you need a professional. Even if you are an accountant, you need to have a specialist of an accountant yeah. that does real estate accounting or yeah. tax account. Do you do your own taxes? Uh, you probably, no, yes, because no. you know how to do it, right? <laughs> I do do my own tax, yeah. but I have my team doing all the bookkeeping and everything right. for me. Um, yeah, so yeah. outsource it to people that know what they're doing. Yeah, they are better at bookkeeping than I am. Right. Uh, yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, guys, I sure hope you enjoyed this. And by all means, um, I'm going to include uh, Cherry's contact information. Mm -hmm. You're okay if people reach yeah. out to us some questions and yeah, things like that. Maybe we'll um, I'll get you to give, uh, we can point people to some of the blog articles yep. that you've written. And by all means, she's just a, a, a world of good reference and it's just it's easy to understand it's uh, pragmatic it's to the point and I've, I've enjoyed a lot of the writing that you've done oh thank so, you I appreciate so, that and it's been it's been wonderful to get to know you a little better uh, yeah me too all right <laughs> yeah. okay everybody till next interview talk to you soon bye bye all righty then how did you like it? Did you like the two good two part series? If 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 this stuff floats your boat, where you you know it's your it's your cup of tea, right? If if the bookkeeping, the operation side, the accounting, if that's what really you love and you need more of that, Russ, we need more accounting, we need more bookkeeping, we need more property management. Bring on the operations manual. Oh, SOP standing standard operating procedures. Oh, you're talking dirty now. If that's what really floats your boat, um, please let me know. Uh, I have tons of people that I can t tap on the shoulder and bring them on as other guests. 
this is the important stuff. It truly is. It's exciting to go out and pitch a deal. It's exciting to go out and talk about all the money that you're going to make. It's exciting to be able to go do land severances and, and putting on new properties and new suites. If you don't have the back end support, if you don't have the systems in place to be able to support the operations of this business, you won't be in business very long. And I'm just telling that, you know, for myself to keep reminding myself of how important it is. And I have to remind myself every single week, this is one of the most important functions of my business is the accounting, the bookkeeping and the operations of the business. Okay. Enough of all that. If any of you want to uh, potentially reach out to Cherry Chan, the links in the show notes below uh, where you can get a hold of her. She, Like I mentioned throughout the interview, she has one of the best blogs out there. She is a fantastic resource to help you uh, move forward with velocity with things. And if you ever need help and support with uh, maybe some of her bookkeeping services, by all means, check her out. Reach out to there. I think, you know, real, realestatetaxtips.ca is the, her website. And once again, Cherry, thank you very much. You're such a you're such a gem and you're such a wonderful resource for the real estate investing community. Can't thank you enough for sharing all your insights into uh, this wonderful world that we talked about here. More to come. And the last thing I'm going to share with you guys here is if you are interested, there still are some consultations available. Um, if the link is on my website and you click on it and it still says it's free, it is still free. I've been toying with the, the part about putting a, a, a cost to it. And I probably will. But at this time of recording, just as an FYI, uh, when I recorded this one, it is still free of cost. So if you do need some help, need a consultation, need a kick in the backside maybe, or you just need uh, another set of eyes on what you're doing, where you're going, and even just uh, an encouragement and go, you know, that's fantastic. Wow. What's the next steps? Okay. Hit me up. Consultation link is on the website, and I would be honored to have that conversation with you. Okay, gang, let's end this the way we always ended. Remember, always. In every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.